0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Hey, you can take your seats, and while you're doing that, I get your Bibles out and open them up to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, as we launch into the last message in our marriage series, You, Me, and He, today we want to look at the topic marriage is a glorifying thing. As we've gone through this series, we started out with the study that a marriage is a God thing. A marriage isn't your idea. It's not some wonderful plan you came up with and decided, I'm going to marry that girl. And the whole concept of marriage is God's concept. It was God's plan for so many things. And so marriage is a God thing. Marriage is a good thing. It's not good that man should be alone. And God made a helper for him in, in Eve for Adam. and. Then we looked at marriage as a growing and a grace thing and how all through your marriage there's this growing that's going on and you aren't where you started and you're not yet even what you'll be in your marriage but you're growing together and, and how much grace is required for that. Um, all of the women should probably say amen as they try to consider the guy they married and just how much grace is required as we go through every day and we're learning together and we're not perfect people. We're being refined. We're growing. Marriage is a, a growing and a grace thing. And, and then we talked about the fact that uh, marriage is a personal, a getting personal thing. We talked about intimacy and how that was designed by God and for marriage and then last weekend, we kind of flipped it on its head and talked about when marriage is a gross thing and when sin uh, gets into a marriage and marriages get destroyed and devastated because of, of sinfulness and wrong priorities and wanting what we want. And, but now we come to the last message and ultimately, marriage is designed by God to be a glorifying thing. The purpose of your marriage is to glorify God. You know, it's interesting when you're uh, looking for a spouse. You're kind of in that area of trying to find someone to marry. And you look across the room and you go, wow, she looks amazing. I need to get to know her. Or vice versa. Um, I looked at Sue and, wow, I need to get to know her. And she looked at me and said, That guy needs a lot of work. But God in his grace, he brought us together. But the reality is relationships start on the external. You don't start on the internal. The the first impression you had of your spouse was external. You didn't know how much they prayed, how much they followed God, how much they... You didn't have that information at that point. And so, you know, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. And God looks at our heart. Unfortunately, so often in relationships, we only ever get to the external, the things that are filled with momentary gratification, things that pass away, whether that's looks or how smart somebody is or how much money they might be able to bring into a relationship. And when really what we should also be looking at is do they honor their parents? Can they admit when they're wrong? Can they control their passions? Those are qualities that we should be looking at in a spouse. Or are they selfless or hardworking? Are they generous? Do they display wisdom? Um, Those are better things to look at. Or or maybe we even need to get to the next level, the most important things. And are they a follower of Jesus Christ? Do they fear God? Are they passionate to serve him? And so often we stop at the first level and never really get to the next level and those relationships never go anywhere good, not in the long run. But what's important in a relationship is that person's passion for God, that person's relationship with Jesus Christ. Do they have a healthy fear of Almighty God? So today we want to take a look at this whole idea of how our marriages are to bring glory to God. And so we're going to launch out of Colossians chapter 3 as we do that, starting at verse 17. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read his word. Uh, Follow along as I read. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as as is fitting unto the Lord. Work hardly as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your word today. We thank you for the principles that we will learn from it. And we ask, Lord, that we would... Uh, We would get our hearts set on what is right. Whether we're single or whether we're married, our our first priority is your glory. And so, Lord, teach us from your word today. Teach us principles from your word that would would help us, God, to to demonstrate that you are awesome. And all we have, we have because of your good work in our lives. Lord, give us ears to hear your word. Minds, God, to comprehend it. Faith, Lord, to passionately live it out. For the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. While you're doing that, we've got a few pictures to put up on the screen um, this weekend. Um, the last two weekends, I decided I wasn't putting pictures up. I thought I'm not putting pictures of couples up on the intimacy weekend because if they don't have kids, the pressure on them is going to be way too great. And uh, and uh, so I thought I'm not going to do that. And then who wants their wedding picture up when marriage is a gross thing week, right? So like, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that to anybody either. And so but now we're back to uh, when marriage is a glorifying thing and. Uh, there are some couples in our church, or many couples in all the pictures of all the families we didn't use, but um, young couples and older couples who have a desire in their life, in their walk, that, that God would be first in their marriage. And uh, this first couple, they're working on this. They've been working through it for about four years now, and um, so Ambrose and Kelsey um, you see uh, Kelsey's face up on the screen as um, she does the announcements. They both serve on our worship team. Very thankful for them. They're right here in this service and just rejoice in what God is doing. We were at a um, at a appreciation night for small group leaders um, the other night, and it was so cute to watch them as they walked up the driveway holding hands with each other. And I'm like, are they just trying to give me stuff for the message, or are they really sincere about this? And And they are really sincere about it. They love each other very much. And I'm thankful to God for them and and their place and the way they serve in our church. And they desire and are growing in how we glorify God. In our marriage, the second picture is of Rami and Sarah. Uh, Rami and Sarah have been in our church for a number of years now, and Sarah served on staff before their uh, first little girl was born, and Rami served in production. And we are so thankful for them. They now have two kids, and walking with the Lord, desiring as they grow up in Christ to glorify God in their marriage. Is it perfect? Pretty sure if you ask Sarah, "Is your marriage perfect?" she would say, "Yeah, no." Um, She would probably say, I'm in it, so it's not perfect. She wouldn't point the finger, but um, there are a couple who love the Lord and are desiring to grow up Christ on the throne to glorify God. Uh, The next couple is uh, Kevin and Tina Day, sitting right up here in the front in this service, and uh, um, they serve our church well. They serve as small group leaders in our church. They uh, serve in Awana, and God has given them two girls who are growing up so quickly and uh, thankful for them and their desire to love the Lord Jesus Christ and continue to grow in their walk and to bring glory to God in their marriage. And then we move up a generation uh, to some other folks in our church. And the next picture is a picture of uh, Goni and Mike Semkos. Uh, Goni and Mike are like to the five rows back right over here. And uh, the little flower girl in their wedding picture. Uh, what year was that? Does anybody know? Goni, what year was that? 1963. 1963 when they got married. And... Uh, uh, they have been such a great encouragement to Sue and I. She comes up and says, Pastor, we pray for you. We pray for you. We pray for you. And they desire that the Lord would be uh, glorified in their marriage. And then the last marriage picture is a picture of Louis and Anna Stavropoulos. And uh, they're sitting in the same row. They're part of the Greek contingent that sits over here. And uh, um, what year were you guys married? 66. And uh, thankful for them. Um, and rejoice in their faithfulness. Uh, This is George's mom and dad. And, uh, um, you know, it's an interesting thing for them to be able to come to church and um, have their son now working here, but then watching their grandsons grow up to love the Lord. And what a blessing that is, right? Um, See, the purpose of your marriage is to bring glory to God. And so today we want to jump in and look at a few things, four things exactly. And uh, here's how uh, we're going to set this out. Let's start with first of all, marriage is glorifying because it's founded on the supremacy of Christ. A marriage that glorifies God is founded on the supremacy of Christ. Whatever you do, in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not just a marriage thing, but it is a marriage thing. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Of God, And so my marriage, your marriage if you're married, is to bring glory to God. So at the end of this message, that's really the question. That's the million dollar question today is how does your marriage glorify God? How is your marriage, wherever the state it's in right now, how is it bringing glory to God? And if it isn't, what are we going to do to get on a trajectory where our marriage is bringing glory to God? You see, we have this opportunity on this earth in our marriages to glorify God. One of the things I never do at a funeral, I never would do it at a funeral. It's way too sensitive a time in people's lives, but sometimes you hear at a funeral when someone passes away and, you know, the spouse is still here and I can't wait to get to heaven. We'll be together again and all the rest of it. And it's not good theology. It's a good feeling, but it's not good theology, right? And we have marriage for here. Um, See, in Matthew chapter um, 22, verse 30, it says, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are, are, like, uh, are like angels in heaven. Um, and heaven's gonna be awesome, and it's gonna be wonderful, and we won't believe that we get eternity with God and all of that, but when we get to heaven, she's not gonna be running around trying to take care of me, right? I have this opportunity right now with my wife. And... Um, when we get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping our faces off over Jesus Christ. People aren't going to be given and taken in marriage. That's not what heaven's going to be about. And so this, this principle we have, this thing we have right now, this marriage that I have right now, it's for this world. It's for now. And one of the great purposes of my marriage in this world right now is to bring glory to to Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the supremacy of who he is, because of what he has done. Hebrews 1:3 says, "He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the power of the word of his power, and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high." Colossians 1:19, "For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus Christ is to be the focus of every single follower of Jesus Christ in this room. He is to be the focus. He is to be supreme. In everyone's life, the glory is to go to him. And and that's the way we are to live our lives. But the picture in Ephesians chapter 5 is of what Christ has done and how we submit under that and what God has done and the awesome work in our salvation of Jesus Christ. Because why? Because he's supreme. Because he is the ruler, because he's first. So, how does your marriage demonstrate that? What is that looking like for you? And what are your priorities? And are they demonstrating that Christ is supreme in your marriage? Some of the greatest verses in the Bible are Proverbs 3 5 and 6. It's a great outline for some things in our marriages when we think about the supremacy of God, the supremacy of Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Every couple and every marriage, we come back to this source. It's trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. When things are difficult, when things are hard, when we don't know what to do. We bring glory to God when we put our trust in the Lord. When we stop trying to fix it all on ourselves and doing our own stuff and we go, no, we need to trust the Lord. He needs to be where we run and he needs to be the one in whom we hide. That's where our focus is. He is our source. Those verses say that he is our passion. With all your heart, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. When uh, Sue and I were dating and we were engaged, like so passionate about everything we would do. Our, our, our lives were just filled with what God and our love for each other. And then, do I have that same kind of heart? Do I have that same kind of passion? In my own walk with God, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Is that the priority in my marriage that we're going to work it out, but we're going to work it out? Why? Because we're trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We've seen him be faithful. We've seen him be good. We're going to trust him, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's the source and the passion. And don't lean on your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to do it your way. Do not lean on your own understanding. How often do we come up to a problem and we don't even think to pray? How often do we come up against an obstacle and we're so busy trying to figure out how to deal with it and what to do with it that we we never actually go, I need to be praying about this. And you're leaning on your own understanding. And we wonder why we don't have clarity. And we wonder why we don't uh, give God glory at the end of it. Why? Because we did it. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In all of life's journey, in all of the things you're going through. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our hope. Our, the supremacy of the work of Jesus Christ is the focus of what we need to be about in our lives. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will make straight your path. He will give you the direction. He will pour out the blessing. A marriage needs to be founded on the supremacy of Christ if it's going to be a marriage that glorifies God. John Piper said this. It's probably his most famous quote. He says on the screen, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So what about my marriage? God is most glorified in my marriage when my marriage is most satisfied in Him. When my marriage is focused on what would God have me do? What would the desire of His heart be for this? And God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So that's the first thing. A marriage that glorifies God is founded on the supremacy, the centrality of Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. A marriage that glorifies God is built on the sanctity of marriage. A marriage that glorifies God is built on the sanctity of marriage. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ. Our working definition of marriage was that marriage is a God-ordained covenant relationship between a man and a woman. The relationship is a loving, lifelong, sexually exclusive companionship. It's God's design for bringing children into the world and thus sustains the stewardship of the earth. Biblical marriage displays the relationship between God and his people. That commitment you made when you stood in front of the church Or maybe you didn't because of when you got married, but you're now a follower of Jesus Christ and you're understanding what your marriage means. The vows that are said, the words that are said, they're more than just some contractual agreement and if I don't like it, I'm going to walk away from it. There's a sanctity to this. There's a holiness to this. It wasn't just Sue and I talking back and forth to each other. Making our promise. This was a before God thing. It's the picture that we stand before God. We make our promises. We make our commitments. We make our vows to each other before almighty God. This isn't something for us to play around with. Um, Albert Moeller, he wrote this quote. You won't have time to write it down, but here's what he said. Marriage is about our happiness, our holiness, and our wholeness but it's supremely about the glory of God. It's supremely about the glory of God. When marriage is entered into rightly, when marriage vows are kept in purity, when all the goods of marriage are enjoyed in their proper place, God is glorified. So I've had the uh, privilege in this church and before in other ministries to marry dozens and dozens. I don't know how many marriages I've done. And I'm thankful to this, that every couple that's kept the priority of the sanctity of their vows, every one of those couples is still together, still growing, still working it out, but bringing glory to God. When sin gets in, it gets to be a gross thing, and that's happened in a few, very few, but couples that we've married. and. It's devastating. But the vows that you made, the commitments you make are, are so important. So as I was going through this past week, just looking at some of the weddings I'd done, going back through, and I came across the vows that um, Jason and Jannie uh, said to each other on June the 1st, 2014, here at the church. So four years and one week ago, by the way, congratulations on your anniversary. I have no gift for you, but congratulations for that. But they made their vows to each other. And their vows take hold of this idea of the sanctity of marriage. I want you to listen to what they said to each other on June the 1st, standing right up there. Today I take you, Janny Kim, in marriage before God, forsaking all others for as long as we live. I will love you. I will love and adore you. Following the example of Christ's sacrificial love for his church, as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides as long as we live. I will lead our family showing honor and understanding to you as my wife as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides. For as long as we live, I will provide for the needs of our family, seeking first the things above and trusting in God's promises as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides as long as we live. You're going to catch a repetition going on here. I will seek the Lord with you by praying with you and for you, meditating on God's word with you, and worshiping with you as we stand on God's strength in the strength God provides for as long as we live. And then Jannie said this. Today I give myself to you, Jason, Richard, William, Locke. Hey, you write that down if you need that information for some of <laughs> Today I give myself to you, Jason, Richard, William, Locke, in marriage before God, forsaking all others for as long as we live. I will love and respect you, supporting you as the helper God designed me to be, as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides for as long as we live. I will, submit your leader, I will submit to your leadership in our family, encouraging you as my husband with a gentle spirit as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides for as long as we live. I will take care of the needs of our family, seeking first the things above and trusting in God's promises as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides for as long as we live. I will seek the Lord with you by praying with you and for you, meditating on God's word with you and worshiping with you as we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides for as long as we live. What great words. See, that's why when marriage is a failure, it's so devastating. I love the way they said it. As we stand on God's grace in the strength God provides as long as we live. See, there is a sanctity to this thing that's called marriage. And I'm sure if you ask them afterwards, have they done this perfectly? They would be the first ones to admit they haven't done it perfectly, but they've been faithful to the Lord and they're growing up in Jesus Christ and, and we get to watch them and, and now they have a little daughter and God is building this little family and growing it up and because this commitment that we make in a marriage is a critical, critical thing. And we have to take hold of it, but when we take hold of it and we live out our vows as we grow up in Jesus Christ, guess what? God gets the glory. God gets the glory. It's true in their marriage. I trust it's true in my marriage. It should be true in your marriage. How are you demonstrating the faithfulness to the commitments you've made to each other or to the commitments you know belong in your marriage because A marriage that glorifies God is built on the sanctity of this relationship before God. Here's the the third thing. A marriage that's glorifying God is a marriage that's growing through this refining life work. It's a marriage that's growing through this refining life work. And Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This growing life work, let me tell you what it's not about primarily. This growing life work called your marriage is not about you. It's not about you. See, so often what happens in marriage is that you put yourself up on the throne, whether that's in your job or your work or your accomplishments, and you find your security in these things, you find your hopefulness in these things, and and your marriage becomes about you. This growing, refining work is not about you. This growing and refining work is not about your spouse. You're like, oh. Oh, I thought, okay, I get it. It's not about me. So obviously in my marriage, it's about my wife. I need to be about her. I need about meeting her needs. I need to be, I'm not saying those things aren't what we do, but it's not what we focus on. It's not what's primary. It's not what's of first importance. The first important relationship is not me. And the first important, important relationship is not my spouse. But so often we get that wrong and we end up worshiping the wrong person in our relationship. And we make it all about them. And then when disappointment comes, it's fatal for us. And and so, as you're going and growing up in this refining life work, understand it's not primarily about you, it's not primarily about your spouse. Your marriage is not primarily about your family. So often I watch marriages, you haven't even heard people say, well, we stay together for the sake of the kids. Are you kidding me? Stay together for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people worship their children. Got them signed up for everything. And whatever the kids want, that's what we will do. We are going to be the grandparents for a sixth time we trust by the end of the year. And it's just so neat for us to uh, watch our kids and, and see them having kids. And, and they can keep doing that as far as I'm concerned. I'm not doing that anymore. So um, so we've been praying for this little baby that's developing inside Lindsay right now. And, uh, you know, I can really remember trying to get focused on what do I really want for my kids? I wanted them to be healthy, and I wanted them to love Jesus. And even the first one, that's probably a little bit more selfish, but I just wanted them to be healthy. But ultimately, we want them to love Jesus. But when you get focused on your kids and the programs they're in and all the things you want them to do and what you want them to accomplish and what you want them to That's not where your focus belongs. Um, Your focus is not also not on impressing, not not on impressing the church or your community. So often people, you know, you get to church. We've all been in the car with the kids coming to church and it's like the devil is in the backseat between them on the way to church. I get it. We've lived it. It's like, where did these children come from? They can't be mine. They must be Sue's, right? And uh, we just wrestle with that and... But then we get to church and we put on this little thing that we put a little game we put on. It's like, and now we're all wonderful. it's It's not about focusing on what you look like in front of these people or in your small group. It's not about focusing on what you look like in front of your community. But we all do it. See, it's about what we look like before God. And the focus is not primarily about any of those things. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. They become wrong when they become the first thing, when the first thing is the glory of God. When the first thing is, what do we look like before God? I got a few practical things that might help you in this. These might be my things, and I trust they'll help you, but how we grow up through this refining life work. Here's some five very practical things that will help you to grow up. If you're not doing them, do them. Um, Here's the first one. Talk less, listen more. Talk less, listen more. It's always fun when I say that to watch the smiles on some people's faces in the room. Um, smiles by spouses who are like oh I wish he would just keep going past her let him know let him know let him know and the guy who just was like oh please I can't shut up long enough for my wife to finish a sentence and I'm already jumping in with the answer and what it should be see that's what I'm like I'm that guy who soon as I think I know what Sue's on to I want to get my mouth open and solve the problem right and Sue's like I don't even want you to solve the problem I just want you to listen um help me um We need to learn to talk less. There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament. I think it's in Ecclesiastes. It says, um, God is in heaven. We are on earth. Let our words be few. And we're always so anxious to get our words out, to just show people how ridiculous we are, probably most of the time. We need to to talk less and we need to listen more. Um, Here's another one. We need to receive less and give more. Are you always looking for what you get? Instead of looking to what you can give. How can we be generous in what we give out? Principles go outside of marriage for sure. Are we looking for a person? I'm, I need to get, I need to get, I'm owed all this. This all belongs to me. We need to receive less. We need to give more. Here's another one. We need to complain less and thank more. So easy to complain especially when things are difficult. Somebody lets you down and you come up with you. You got 101 things that you believe you have a right to complain about because life is so hard for me. Hey, guess what? Life is tough and then you die. That's the way life is, right? And so we're always filled with complaining and all this stuff and stop complaining. We're in the top 5% on the world for Pete's sake. We got more stuff than we know what to do with in our world. We have more blessing as followers of Jesus Christ poured out on us and And yet, so often in our marriages, when things get hard, we just natter and natter and complain and complain and complain less and thank more. God has given you the gift of a spouse. God has given you a good thing. You need to be thankful for that good thing. You need to compare less and encourage more. Why can't we have? Why don't we? Why don't you? Why shouldn't we? Why can't You're always comparing and looking around and seeing what everyone else has got instead of being satisfied in the work of Jesus Christ. We need to compare less and we need to encourage more. Consider how you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, You need to think about how we encourage one another, how we bless one another. Those verses in Hebrews 10 were for people who are under trial and struggle and were thinking about, we can't even go to church, it's just too hard. And, And the writer says, consider how you can spur one another on. Consider how you can encourage each other. So if your marriage is in a difficult place, consider, consider, think about, plan how you can encourage your spouse. How you can spur them on with love and good deeds. Need to compare less, encourage more. Here's the last one. We need to slack off less and serve more. We need to slack off less and serve more. You know, guys, maybe what you need to do is get up from the um, TV room and when your wife doesn't ask you and go in and open the dishwasher... And put the stuff away that's in it. And then the stuff that's in the sink belongs in the dishwasher. So put it in the dishwasher and then close it and then go and revive your wife who's fainted in the living room. She can't believe what's just happened in your life. Who is this guy, and where did he come from? (laughs) See, that's the kind of passion you had before, right? That's just a minor little illustration of all kinds of other things that you could do, and see, usually what happens is you open the dishwasher, and you start clanking around in there so your wife knows that this should be done by her, the dishes in the, well, for Pete's sake, and she gets up, and halfway through, and, Slack off less, serve more. Yeah, but I work all day. Hey, if she's got children, she'd probably trade with you any time of the day. But who cares? Are you keeping score? You don't keep score. You just serve. And you just serve. And you just serve. And you you be faithful. And you watch what God does as he grows you up in Christ. And as you're sitting there with a door open on the thing going, or whatever, you're putting the garbage out, or whatever your thing is, whoever you are, and, and you're thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Imagine Jesus Christ. Why am I doing this? See, he never wondered that. He did what he did, and he was faithful to it. Here's the next thing, the last thing. Marriage is a glorifying thing. Glorifying thing when he's upheld in the passion to make Christ known. You glorify God in your marriage when you're upheld in the passion to make Christ known. That's what Ephesians 5 shows us. shows the relationship of Christ and, and the church. Why? So the people will see what Christ did. So they can understand this awesome work that God has accomplished. And so here's the question for us. The question is, how is my marriage making Christ known? What's the picture people see of the relationship of Jesus Christ and his church or Jesus Christ to me based on what my marriage, what it looks like? We need to be passionate about making Christ known. Ephesians four eleven says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I love these verses. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 it says, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness you found yourself into his marvelous light. That's a picture of what we're to accomplish in our marriages too. That's not just an individual mandate. That's true of us if you just take Ephesians 5 and understand what he's saying about this relationship. That's That's what God calls us to. We're a picture for people of the excellent work of Jesus Christ. But he starts out first by showing them what their standing was, what their position is. Here's what you are if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a chosen race. God chose you before the foundation of the world. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. That idea of priesthood means we have access to God directly. God knew that these guys were going to get married long before 2014. God knew we were getting married long before 1979. And God knew they were getting married long before 63 and long before 66. God knew. God knew. He chose. It's not a, it's not a fluke that we're together. It's got designed. When you said that, that here's what I know for sure. Is that when I said my vows, when I said my I do, when I made my commitment, um, I was chosen. I have this royal priesthood. I have access to God. It says, you are holy. Nation it means we're set apart. We're to be different. We're to look different. And your marriage needs to look different than your neighbors. Not because you're trying to impress them, but because you love Jesus Christ and you want to make him known in your relationship. You are his possession. We are a people for his own possession. Why? Why? That you may proclaim. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's an individual mandate for all of us, but it's also true in my marriage. My marriage is designed by God that we would be light in a world that needs light. Says that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. What? Out of darkness. What's that? Out of our sinfulness out of our separation from God, out of our hopelessness, God who called you through the work of Jesus Christ, God who gave his son, who poured out his life. We're going to remember in communion in just a few minutes what Christ accomplished for us, who called you out of the darkness of sin into his marvelous light in the gift that he's given to us, our salvation in Jesus Christ alone because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and we didn't earn it, and we didn't deserve it, and God gave the gift. And my life and my marriage is to demonstrate that, that people could see Christ in me, the hope of glory. People can see Christ in us, of the hope of glory, that he would see what Christ has done and the change he has made. And in my marriage, how I am willing Desiring to come under the one who saved me. I'm willing to set aside who I am and what I think, and I'm willing because it's a picture. And so, in my marriage, does my marriage picture that so that people can see Christ in me, the hope, the hope of glory? See, your marriage is not about yourself, it's not about your spouse, it's not about your kids, it's not about impressing people. Your marriage is designed to bring glory to God. So how are you doing that, that, Well, here's the so what. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the big question of the day is, how can we bring the most glory to God? Giving you some meat on the bones, but think about it in the practical as you're going through your life this week. The decisions that you need to make, how will they glorify God? Not how will they make me satisfied or me comfortable. How will they glorify God? I'm looking to buy a house. I'm looking to change jobs. How will this glorify God? We're in a tough time right now. We're struggling. It's hard to make ends meet. What decisions will we make so that the decisions bring glory to God? We're facing decisions about life and education or health care. How can we glorify God in those decisions? When you and your spouse are going at it, there's something up in front of you and you can't seem to get over it and the battle's been going on and no one's willing to relinquish, no one is giving up, no one is setting aside. How can we settle this in a way that brings glory to God? See, if every argument you have, you have to win, your your marriage is a secular marriage. How do we glorify God? I don't have to win. Who cares? Eternity is coming. When things are great, and you feel like you're on the top of the world in your marriage, how does my marriage glorify God? When you're struggling and decisions have to be made, how will we glorify God? What I'm doing here right now I couldn't do six months ago because I couldn't get my wedding ring off. It's amazing what losing weight does for you. Inscribed in my wedding band, many of you already know this, is the reference 1 Corinthians 15, 58. That was the, uh, that's our life verse together. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. We don't do it perfectly. For 39 years we've been working at it. But we're progressing in it. We're growing in it. Because our work is in the Lord. And as God is working in your marriage, how is it in the Lord? how is the passion for your marriage about bringing glory to the creator of the universe? How is the passion in your marriage towards the work of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for you? See, God helping us, we'll get our eyes off of the mundane and the this world, and we'll get our eyes on eternity, and we'll be people of God who in our marriage live for the glory of God of God. Maybe some discussions need to happen this afternoon. Maybe you need to have the courage to, you know what? We need to talk. How can we better bring glory to God? Not poking at the other person, just help us, Lord. What we've learned in this series, how can we better bring glory to God? I'm pretty sure every man in this room, if you went home to your wife and said, I want you to be second because I want God to be first, there's not a woman in the room who loves Jesus Christ who's going up against that. She just doesn't want to be second to you on the throne. So what are the conversations that need to happen? What needs to, how do you need to come before the Lord? Do you need to confess something? Do you need to get right about something? Do you need help with something? God helping us that we would have marriages that bring glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word, the principles from it, the things we've been learning over these last weeks the ways, God, you have been refining Sue and I in this, the things we've learned and uh, we've been encouraged with and we've been challenged with and the talks that we've had. And Lord, I pray that that would be true in our church, that people would be courageous enough to, um, before you talk with each other about what's really important. Father, that my marriage, that each of the marriages in this room founded in Jesus Christ would more and more, a little bit more and more every day be focused with our eyes fixed on Christ to bring you the glory. Father, as we consider who Jesus Christ is and what he's done and our love for him, Lord, that we would live in our marriages full out for the glory of our Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.